0: Okay. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Investing with IBD, sponsored by Interactive Brokers. Today is February 24th, 2021. I'm your host, Arusha Pierce, and we have Richard Moglin on the show. Richard just joined TraderLine, and he is the host of a great investing podcast named Market Chat that's on YouTube. Thanks for
1: being here, Richard. Oh, my pleasure. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of your podcast and uh, I've learned so much from you on, here and on IBD Live. So looking forward to this. Appreciate it. Uh,
0: so on today's podcast, we are going to talk about the current markets. We will talk about some of the lessons that Richard has learned over the, the first few years of investing. And then we will end with a few current ideas. All right. Let's get into the current market. We are in a confirmed uptrend. We have three distribution days on the NASDAQ and three on the S&P 500. It's been a little volatile. Richard, what are your thoughts
1: on this market? Well, it's been something else, hasn't it? I mean, um, yesterday, it seemed like all the growth stock leaders were down 5 eight, ten 8%, 10%. And then by the end of the day, everything pretty much recovered. And uh, today, we're recording this on Wednesday. Things, for the most part, rebounded and followed through. But the um, Still I think it has to prove itself, but um, yeah, we'll, we'll kind of see how it goes and, and how, how the week closes.
0: I agree. There, there's one thing that sometimes it might be a little too easy that we came back so fast and that that's kind of in the back of my right. mind that I, you know the markets aren't easy and, and when good for you if your stocks only gapped down five to eight percent if I, I felt like mine were all down at least 10%. Right, right. I could not believe it. I was like what is going on here? Uh, right. but uh, but yeah, it, they all came back uh, and some were even positive by the end of the day, which was crazy. Uh, and and today it's kind of all, all over the place too. Let's see. I mean, with the with the way the the, the how volatile the market is, you know, it goes both ways and a lot of times what I always tell myself is volatility is a form of distribution and we want the markets to settle down. But that being said, we are above the 50-day the moving average. Ideally, we, on the NASDAQ, we want to be above the 21-day moving average. But a number of stocks, they tested their key support areas at the 50-day and still hanging in there. Any other thought, thoughts on, on this market?
1: Yeah, um, I completely agree with you about the volatility. Um, for my type of preferred entry setups, I want to see very tight right sides of bases. And right now, things are kind of the the picture of um, of wide and loose. I mean, there's no standard bases out there to be found. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm being a little bit cautious and uh, really waiting until the ideal setups for for my type of style um, are setting up.
0: Yeah, and. Uh, so l- let's get into your style and, and let's get into just what you've learned in, in investing. So you've been doing this now for a few years, right?
1: Yeah, I, I started my junior year at the University of Maryland and have been trying to learn as much as I can ever since.
0: Perfect. And first of all, well done on getting started early. And I and I, I, and I was telling you this uh, last week when we were talking, I, I think you're you're a great person to have on the show because you're, you're two, two plus years into this and all those early lessons are still fresh in your head Absolutely. versus, versus me where I've been doing this for, for a long time now. it's still in my head, but you know, it's not as fresh, I guess. <laughs> but, uh, so, so yeah. So, so walk us through how you got into investing as a junior at the university of Maryland.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's an interesting story and I think I'm a little bit lucky to um, have been able to because um, I actually didn't know anything before my junior year. I didn't know what an ETF was. I didn't know what an index was. I didn't, I didn't know stop losses or any of that. Um, and I actually took an honor seminar at the University of Maryland called Introduction to Technical Analysis and the Stock Market, talked by Dr. Eric Wish, who I, I know uh, you know of, you yep. know of him. He's, Big uh, fan you of visited, Dr. Wish. Yep, you, you visited his class, which is awesome. And um, from that first class, I really was was really hooked. And I'm sure you know, you can get really invested into this stuff, uh, pun intended. Um, but uh, anyway, yeah, from that first class, I think I took more notes than usually I, I take an entire week of my engineering classes. Uh, that's kind of what my major was, um, mechanical engineering. I've, I've graduated since. Um, but yeah, that class was awesome. We learned about the basics of Can slim. We read all, all those great kind of... Um, books, Darvis, Minervini, of course, how to make money in stocks. And I think it, it really kind of propelled my journey forward and, and kind of cut off three plus years of the learning curve, uh, just because I was taught by um, Dr. Wish, who's been already doing this for 50 plus years. Um, he nailed into our heads, you've got to cut losses, cut losses, focus on the leaders, focus on the trends. So it was it was an awesome experience. And actually, after the class was was over, I um, helped out and was a TA for the next few semesters, so right. I kind of took the class four semesters in a row. That's how I, how much I loved it. Um, and I know um, you actually came and visited one of the classes with uh, Mark Minervini and, and yep. gave a lecture. And actually, also at the the district IBD meetup in DC, I, I think I went and saw you guys um, two days in a row. So that was awesome. Um, but yeah, that that class really was life changing. I, I say that um, very seriously, and. Yeah, um, I didn't know anything before that. And that really just propelled me on the right track. And since then, I've just kind of tried to educate myself even more from um, great books, people on Twitter. Um, let's see, uh, of course, your podcast, any other kind of seminars that uh, pop up, IBD Live. And um, just trying to stay in that mindset of a student. I know I'm in the beginning of my journey, but I think there's so much now you can soak up very quickly um, from YouTube videos, from podcasts like yours. And uh, yeah, I'm just trying to learn more and more every every single day, every single trade. Uh, because um, once you build that foundation with the books and and learning about can Slim, it's about applying it, um, tweaking your rules that you've written, and um, just gradually improving. It's going to be a constant process. I know that, but um, I think with the right foundation, uh, you can you can speed up that learning curve quite a bit. I, I think we'll get into that later.
0: Yeah, and uh, I mean, you're, you're years ahead from from where I, I was. Not only just since you started learning this in college, I, I was started learning after college. But just just the just the technologies enabled everyone to, right. to get through that right. learning curve much for, further. But uh, so you you never took a, a, a finance course in Maryland, right? That this was this was your first kind of exposure. Uh, but did you have friends who were taking were, were, were finance majors and or business majors? I, uh, I did. Go ahead. Oh no, I, and. And I really wanted to more hear their reaction because one thing about uh, a number of finance courses in in college, right? There, It's complete opposite of what you yeah. learned at, at Dr. Wish's class.
1: Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, I, I had a bunch of friends who are business majors. Um, I'm not quite sure what they do in their classes, but yeah, um, I never took a finance class in college. And um, Dr. Wish um, said a couple of times that, um, yeah, what you're going to learn in the business school is more the kind of uh, standard uh, value investing um, right. models and all of that. And um, really that class, uh, the class that we we took in the honor seminar is the Can Slim technical analysis, price action is what matters. And yeah, two completely different sides of the coin. Um, if you can learn a little bit about both, you can probably benefit. Um, but obviously uh, that class is more focused on on cancellum investing and, and, and gross style trading using charts
0: right yeah and I've taken a lot of uh, finance courses and just traditional evaluation and stuff like that and there, there, there's a, there, there's a lot there's a lot to learn there and, and, and obviously that there's there are many things that work in the market which is which is what makes the market and exactly what's really cool about the market um, but I think I think, uh, I, I think it, it's great that you found you, you found something that fit you pretty early on. Now, do you think that your engineering background uh, may, maybe helped you appeal to uh, looking at stock charts and
1: technicals? Yeah, 100%. I, I mean, as, a, as an engineer, we're used to looking at data, um, analyzing it, try to, trying to find those trends. Um, also, just kind of the mindset of, of building up a system, following a set of rules, uh, that very kind of regimented process where you've got to practice good discipline, uh, That's that's built up in the engineering major um curriculum. And um also kind of uh being an engineer, you're taught to try to kind of figure things out for yourself and uh optimize your own process. So kind of all those components together. Um yeah, I, I think uh engineers, there's there's a lot of them on Twitter. I, I know FinTwit. Um yeah, I, I think that major translates really well into analyzing stock charts and um using indicators, interpreting data. Um so yeah I, I think that helped me out as well um already being used to um, analyzing and, and drawing conclusions from from different types of charts.
0: Yeah I've, I've run across a lot of uh, customers of IBD and Market Smith and they're they're they are engineers or former engineers. I actually started out as an engineer student at Tufts University and I lasted a semester and then I had to get out of there. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't for me. But that being said, all these kind of charts did appeal to me. But right. so so walk us through some some of the lessons that you've learned in the first a couple of years here, uh, two sure. to three years, uh, and, and maybe walk us
1: through maybe some of the mistakes that you've learned the hard way too. Right, right, so I, I've got a couple main things I wanna talk about, um, about speeding up the learning, learning curve and, and what kind of um, kind of got me there quicker. And first things first, something that really was emphasized in Dr. Wish's class is having a set of written down rules that kind of describe your entire trading system And kind of will guide you um, into making good objective decisions as much as possible, as much as you can. Um, So I think that that basis helped out a lot. And um, I think components of a good trading rule set, you have to do uh, market conditions. That's super important. The M and can slim uh, stock selection, uh, position management. uh, What is a good setup for you? Where are you going to set that stop loss? How are you going to move it up? Um, and then also moving on, moving on, of course, to selling rules, which is something I 100% still have to work on. Uh, that's going to be a lifelong process. We talked a little yes. about, yes. about that earlier. Um, and then also doing post analysis, all of that, all that should be described in your trading rule set. So um, when it comes to the actual trading day, it's a, it's more about execution and following your rules than, oh, this stock is going up. Oh, my, my friend's talking about it on Twitter oh, I better hop on. And then, and then it reverses, of course, because uh, it's probably overextended. So I think um, that is a really important thing for people to, to learn and to speed up their learning curve. And then uh, something that I learned from Jim Ropel in, in my interviews is really putting in the homework um, on the weekends before and after the market. Um, so once again, it's more about that execution during the trading day. And, uh, he, he talks about his ride the wave plan. I know you've had him on a, a bunch of times. I watch every single episode where he's, he's on there. He's, he's, he's the super man. bullish. Yeah. He, he's the man. <laughs> um, but yeah, he talks about his ride the wave plan and, um, knowing your, your, where your positions are, what cushion you have, um, the leading stocks in the market, all that is super important to, um, basically find success consistently. And, uh, I think that's sped up the learning curve quite a bit is developing a regimented system, um. And also um, something I picked up from Mike, Mike Webster, you guys have a great podcast on grading your stocks. Uh, and uh, like recently, we, we've had a bunch of market turbulence. So um, you want to know your weakest positions and those are going to be the ones you're going to cut first. So I think that's super important. Highly recommend um, checking that episode out. Um, that, that really um, kind of uh, that kind of really showed me the way um, when dealing with corrections. And then um, lastly, also from Jim Ropel is to focus on the best of the best stocks um, for your system. Um, A lot of the losses I felt like I was getting at the very beginning, I was entering at the wrong time. So not focusing on the best of best setups, but also there were some kind of junk stocks there that didn't quite fit the um, disruptive um, top line earnings, institutional sponsorship, all those different metrics that kind of um, add up to a higher probability trade. So once you cut out those trades, you're gonna find your batting average increase, you're going to get stopped out less um, and overall, you'll find a little bit more success. So that's kind of three things I think can really speed up your learning curve. And in terms of three rules, if you want me to go ahead with that, yeah, go for um, it. Yeah. yeah. So rules, um, as I said, are super important. I think uh, in my, in my view, you shouldn't be trading unless you have a written down rule set that obviously you can tweak as, as you get more experience and look back on past trades. But um, I think it's super important and kind of at the very beginning, one of my biggest mistakes was entering extended into a position, and a bunch of people have kind of different definitions definitions of extended. Um, for me, I think I define it as far from the ideal buy point, and the ideal buy point is going to be different depending on your system. Whether you're a Mark Minervini style trader, an IBD guy, whether you're buying pullbacks like Charles Harris, um, so uh, when it comes to me, I like to buy. Uh, near the 21 EMA. And and when all of those moving averages are very coiled. So um, for me, I define um, not buying extended as buying within 2% of that optimal buy point, that support level, the moving average, um, the pivot, if I'm using a VCP setup. And uh, I think that's super important because a lot of your problems stem stem from buying extended. Meaning if you buy it a little bit late, there's going to be a natural reaction due to the market, due to other conditions, And that might lead to a stop loss when if you bought closer to that ideal buy point, you could easily weather that because you have that cushion uh, to build off of. So it just makes things easier uh, to buy it as close as you can to that support level. And you also know very quickly whether you're wrong because if it reverses, as we'll talk about a little later and when Peloton uh, will go over that trade, uh, you know when it starts to go wrong very quickly and you can keep your losses very, very short. Um, And that's kind of my next rule um, to keep your losses within 5%. Um, I think that's very, very important because it kind of manages the risk-reward relationship in a way that uh, you, can, you can be right even 30% of the time, 40% of the time, and still a, a big winner, which is going to happen every now and then, is going to pay for all of those smaller losses. So uh, I think that's super important. And um, one thing that I'm still working on, this is a rule that I still have to uh, kind of tweak and everything is to not completely sell out of a big winning stock um and i made this mistake a lot last year um uh, probably a, a few other people did as well um yep yep but um you get shaken out it doesn't really do anything wrong it's only pulling back on below average volume and then it takes off and goes another 100 200 300 percent whatever um so what I'm trying to do is hold a core position until it really breaks the 21 exponential moving average, and obviously that moving average is just a guideline. Um, it's it's really watching the price action around that level, and um, also looking at where the stock has been picked up um, in the past. If it's the 50 day, I might use that. Um, the 10 day even. So um, really trying to hold the stock until it it does something wrong, and uh, and breaks character. So those are kind of three things and a couple different. Uh, ways that I've shortened my learning curve, and also three different rules that I think, um, if you really cement them and put them into your to your trading rule set, um, it should help you out and, and really speed up that learning curve.
0: No, uh, no, those are those are great, great rules. And I'll, I'll tell you, if you can, you have the patience to hold on to some of those stocks and truly let them stop you out. Right, you will find yourself in in some monster, monster winners if that's your right. goal right? Mm-hmm. It, it, and it, it really just comes down to the best fit and, and things like that. But yeah, it's having the patience to let them actually test a 21-day or the 50-day moving average. That's, it, you know, that, that, that's what makes a, a difference between a, a Jim Ropel and, and many others, right? Exactly. Um, so let's take a quick break here. But when we, talk, when we return, we're going to talk more with Richard Moglin about some of the lessons that he has learned in his early years of trading. And we'll go over some examples too. We'll be back. Are you looking for ways to earn extra income? Interactive Brokers' Stock Yield Enhancement Program lets you earn extra income on fully paid shares of stock in your brokerage account. Here's how it works. IBKR lends your shares to traders who pay interest to borrow them, and you receive 50% of the income earned. It's that simple. Open an Interactive Brokers account today and start earning extra income. Find out more at ibkr.com/syep. Richard Moogland our guest on Investing with IBD, sponsored by Interactive Brokers. Okay, Richard, uh, before we get into some of your stocks that you traded last year mm-hmm. and the lessons that you learned from them, uh, let's uh, w- one other question that I wanted to ask you in the previous segment was you know, finding ideas. Right now. We all can find ideas through IBD, through Marketsmith, and a number of other sources. What about finding
1: ideas just on the outside in everyday life?
0: Have you stumbled on any uh, interesting ideas that way? Just through right. observation?
1: Right. That's a, that's a great question. Um, I think uh, 100%. I don't think I've bought anything just because I've, I've noticed it um, in the outside world. But right. yeah, there's those products that, that pop up every now and then on the radio, on television. Um, you hear about it on Twitter with, with your friends, and I think the most obvious um, example is what we're using right now. We've got Zoom um, recording this podcast um, on my podcast. It makes it super easy; you can record straight from it. Um, and yeah, keeping an eye out for for products around you, I think, is a great way to find ideas. I was on a road trip recently. I, I had I heard a, a bunch of advertisements for Stitch Fix, S Fix, um, which has been a, a very big winner That's recently. Like, oh, yeah yeah um so do you so know anyone the,
0: who's using stitch fix yeah i don't any friends or anything i else.
1: don't i don't uh not yet but um i'm sure i will i, I think it's a it's a big growing uh brand and platform so uh, but also peloton i think um everybody on twitter is talking about oh i just i just did a workout uh to this <laughs> song and all of that so um <laughs> that's funny yeah keeping an eye out i think is super important um or what because- about like a spotify like are you using spotify is all all your friends are all your friends using it one hundred percent. Yeah. Um, podcasts, music. Um, yeah. Uh, Spotify is a great example. Um, I mean, it had a really nice run recently in 2020. So um, yeah, Spotify is a great example of, of looking around you and trying to find ideas that way. Perfect.
0: Okay. So let's uh, let's get into some of uh, your previous trades from last year. Obviously now. Now, you've been doing this for, for a few years, and for the most part, it has been pretty good, the, the, the market. The market's I'm, been
1: uh, helpful on that. Yeah, part. and, and yeah. last year
0: was insane. That that was right. the best year I've seen in 20-plus years. Now, 99, I, I was there for that, too, but I wasn't really studying this system. uh. But it, so I didn't, re, you know, it was just kind of just in the periphery, and I just had some money in it. But, yeah, to, last year was just ridiculous. But. Right. Uh, that being said it was great that you're already knowledgeable about this stuff and you were able to actually get some experience from that because those are in the cards too you know they may only come every couple of decades but those type of rallies are there those type of markets when everything lines up is there so you don't want to just assume that'll never happen again so let's uh you're going to share your screen right yep. and
1: um yeah so uh this is going to be um one of my trades from this past year i traded zillow um, and first things first in Marketsmith, um, super convenient to go ahead and check out the recent earnings and sales data. Arusha, I, I know you like to start on a weekly, but um, yeah. I usually look at a daily um, first and That's then get a, a sense. Yeah, get a sense of the the longer term trajectory of the stock. You can see overall, it broke out um, into longer term, not time highs right here and really hasn't looked back. So within a longer term uptrend, um, I'm trying to find a spot to get in off a of reversal, um, off a of base, and, and I got in right here. And oh, um, yeah, I actually bought there too. Yeah. Um, it was a pretty good entry, but, yeah. but anyway, going back to the earnings and sales, I mean, 400% earnings, that's always going to catch my eye. It had really great estimates for the next year. I would love to see like increasing amount, uh, but, but maybe that's working a, on it. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be awesome. But anyway, um, once I've, I've noticed that uh, it's, it's a promising, promising stock, good fundamentals. I take a look at the chart um, and look for a tight right side of a base. So I was noticing right around here where this isn't a kind of classic cup and handle or anything, but it is a nice consolidation um, due to the market correction and everything. So um, you can see right here, it goes straight off the bottom. We have this really fast move up here. Uh, and I wouldn't be buying here because unless I get a good entry right at the 50 SMA, it's already extended by the time I'm probably looking at it on my screen or anything. Right. But that straight off the bottom here on large volume, makes me keep an eye on it. And it really tightens up, does a little bit of a Mark Minner VCP here. And right here, this point where it gets really tight on the right-hand side, that's where I'm looking for an entry. And the buy for me was on this day right here through the prior high, and then I added to it through this pivot. So this is kind of a VCP setup. You've got a a longer term contraction, move up, contraction again, and then it gets really tight. Um, You can manage your risk very well, just a few percent to stop was most likely at the low of the day and it works right away. And I know Arusha, the you say this all the time, the best trades work right off the bat. Um, they move up on nice volume, as we can see right here. Um, now, this is another example of me selling a, a winner too early. So this is really why um, I need to focus on that because I think my buy here was pretty good, but I did end up getting shaken out um, for half my position on this day as it closed below the 21 EMA and then the rest here, Um, and I think I had my stop at at this low. Um, so I'm kind of doing all these crazy drawings, but, um, basically, yeah.
0: um, And and Richard, so, so for those of you who are listening and if you're in your car, if you're working out and listening to this, when you get, when you get back home, go to investors.com slash podcast, you can see the video version where Richard is marking it up on the charts where he's buying and selling. It's definitely some good lessons here to learn.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, I think I also should have um, kept this on my radar. And this is something, another thing that I'm working on is once I sell the stock, don't just forget about it because I bought it for a reason and it had some potential here on the volume and all this sideways movement is on below average volume. Marcus Smith does a really good job of analyzing and, and showing that lower than average volume. This is the 50 day here. And it does a nice setup just a few days later after I sold it, breaking above these highs. So I could have easily managed my risk against the 50 SMA and and it really just takes off Um, had a nice earnings report as well. And and now it's pulled back during the market correction. But um, yeah, I think my entry was good, but my, my selling rules and position management um, could have been better a little bit on this trade. Um, And even if I sold here, maybe only sell a half and and try to get back in off the 50 would have been uh, maybe a better option there.
0: No. And and I agree with you. And, and it's, I I don't think I managed this thing very well either. Um, But the the one the one thing the, the one thing that I learned and it, and it took me many years to, to learn this is getting shaken out is part of the game, right? Right. right. And and what 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 is the difference between uh, some someone who's just learning this and someone who's who has is becoming more of a professional at this? Right. Is the professional will get back in when. Right. When those expectations are broken, because why'd you get stopped? That, you know, when when you sold it around that one twenty five area, one twenty six area, why'd mm-hmm. you sell there, right? I mean, you you, you got stopped out and stuff, but right. what's kind of the larger concept why you sold there? Because it was
1: bre- breaking the expectations. I mean, from from this move off the twenty one EMA. My like, what expectations- were the
0: expectations when you sold there?
1: The oh, right expectations
0: up. were that it was going to go lower, right? Yeah, because exactly. You're trying to protect yourself from losing even more money, right? Exactly. But when it gets back above it and starts doing something differently now those expectations have been broken and so that's where if it's really one of the top stocks on your radar and you don't want to lose it, that's where you just have to find a way to just get back into it because they're, ne- they're never there' are they're times where it's just not going to be perfect especially yeah. if you get stopped out at an imperfect type of area.
1: No, absolutely and so I think Zillow it, it was a pretty good trade overall but yeah definitely some lessons learned. so yeah uh, no, move, that's good. Moving on to the next stock let me open this up here we've got Teladoc. So uh, this one I was watching for a while. It was very choppy here. I had traded it along with Livongo. Uh I had a full position on the, the merger day um, in both Levango and Teladoc. So that was an interesting day. Yeah. Um, some quick risk management there uh, to cut quickly. But um, yeah, anyway, it chops for a long time, was pretty wide and loose here. But then I noticed, especially on a weekly chart, There's a little bit of changing character. And if you look here at the tails of all these bars, a lot of them are finishing well off the lows. And that's just a little bit different than here. And and the right side of this base really started to form up. So that's kind of what got it initially on my radar. Um, Plus, it had such a strong prior uptrend. I'm always looking for a stock that in the past, the left of the chart um, did very, very well. So um, it had those things going for it. And then I was looking for some tight area. And I initially spotted it around uh, this tight area. It moved up i thought i missed it um didn't execute i think i was fully invested at that point but then it pulls back again and once again gets really tight along this 200 level hmm. and i started buying it on this upside reversal day against the 200 day. so i was willing to i was willing to um, stay in it as long as it stayed around that 200 level how, how,
0: a, how big a position or did you go to your full position at that point or do you just slowly scale into it
1: right this is a half position to start okay. off off okay. the hammer and then I added a little bit on the next day as it moved above this high, and then added. You can see there's a little bit of a pivot yeah. there using this high, and uh, once again a little bit of volume comes in. Um, not necessarily high above average volume, but higher than a lot of the down days of the previous bars. And then it starts working right well uh, right away. I mean, look at this bar right here, finishing right at the high yep. on large volume. That looks great. I added a little bit more th- on this breakout, but I really like establishing. The majority of my costs and, and my position before the kind of obvious breakout it just as i said before buying right and getting my costs low allows me to sit through this chop a little bit and yeah. not and not get um too whipped around because i think my cost at this point was around 206 so uh, pretty now, low why
0: yeah. why was this why was teladoc uh obviously had to be pretty high on your list at that point for you to really identify it there um uh, now, there are plenty of other stocks that, that were well into new highs and trending well. Why, why was this one that you chose over those that were, were trending quite well?
1: I don't remember the specific reason, but- um, what, I, Was it just maybe just kind of the larger story or something
0: that, that you I, liked? or
1: Yeah. I, I mean, um, I had some experience this year, obviously, with using telemedicine, okay. Um, okay. like video chats with my doctors, um, COVID tests, all of that. And yeah, I kind of believe in the story here. And it is in a low- industry yeah. group, which is something to think about. And obviously I want to stay top stop, top, 40, top 20, ideally. But um, yeah, I, I think it's still a really interesting story. I think they reported just uh, uh, just today and it wasn't too great and it fell here, but I, I got it out um, over here. But uh, moving, moving back to over here, I did add a little bit on this breakout, but once yeah. again, my cost is still pretty low and uh, it worked right away. I think I maybe sold a little bit on this day, or actually this, this move up, I sold a little bit, um, just trimming a little bit, and uh, then maybe got in a little bit here, and then it chopped around here, and um, I think I sold a little bit, actually, actually about a quarter of my position on the big downside reversal. This broke expectations, because yeah. from this bar, it moved up all the way here above 300, and then that's a pretty bad close um, here, and, and I cut the rest of it um, on this big downside reversal bar. Uh, not downside reversal but really it's broke the slow yeah. breaking expectations once again
0: oh th- that's good that, that's uh that's a good trade there that's a very good trade
1: yeah uh, but yeah you're right about the the group and also the rs rating wasn't superb uh but yeah um, well I, I mean, was the only to... reason
0: why is because I, I I I'm asking that because I bought it a little bit yeah. later than you out, out of that other consolidation but um it, it that that was the kind of the I like the larger story of, of Teladoc and and yeah. obviously telemedicine is here to stay and it's only going to grow, yeah. but uh, there were so many other ideas that it was, it was just a struggle to try to convince myself to get in, which why get into it, which is why I didn't get into where you got it. And that yeah. first big pop. Um, yeah. Well, you got it even before that, cause that you're way yeah. ahead of the game, but, uh, but um, so I, I got in after that other consolidation there, but yeah, no, this is this is a good trade. And, and I think it's a good example of also locking in your gains when you have when
1: you have uh, the opportunity to do it. Yep. Yep. And there are some warning signs. This downside reversal bar. And then this one broke all of these lows in just one one day on on uh, larger than than the other day's volume. I mean, here it's it's kind of wedging up on below average volume. Yeah. And then starts falling on a little bit higher volume. So, once again, some warning signs piling up. And, and then obviously, we have the gap down. Um, and so far, it's holding this base pivot. Uh, but I think after hours, I think it's actually down below that. So, well, yeah, I think they reported. Yeah. They reported yeah. In today, right after, after the close. Let's see where I right. think so. Yeah. Um, and we'll see if it falls all the way below in this base or maybe find support at 253. And maybe if it tightens up, I'll, I'll give it another shot.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's the way to do it. It looks like they're down 7%.
1: Yeah. Um, this is Peloton. And once again, this is kind of a buy within the base. And um, I, I actually got burned on this gap down. I tried this reversal and uh, got burned here, but it it held, it kind of broke expectations once because it gapped down, but then also- Well, it down it held this
0: too. Yeah. So, yeah. so you were willing to, to buy, you're like, let me take a little bit before earnings or-
1: I, I, had, I had some cost here and okay. I added a little bit here. Uh, and yeah um, but then it started holding that 50day moving average yeah. and tighten up against that 50 day and I used this high as a pivot um, good volume coming in not above average but higher than these previous bars yeah. and it worked right away just like a lot of um, I find my best my best trades do and then it got very choppy in here and I think I, I sold a little bit, added a little bit back on the reversal but then it comes down to this point. Um, and you think it's going to go here, it reports earnings, it gaps down, but it holds it. So I was still holding half my position at this point, and I bought it back on this really nice move through this tight area. Um, I think I added through this high and then through this high as well. It's a little bit hard to see here, but um, anyway, the next day, it breaks expectations. I mean, from this bar, you're expecting it to challenge all-time highs, and that doesn't happen at all. So I, I sold half my position, all my ads here, and then cut the rest as it broke this low on this next day. So, yeah, um, I'm a little disappointed. Um, hopefully, it firms up, forms another base here. Uh, it still has really uh, pretty strong earnings for 2022, although yeah. estimate revisions are down. But, I mean, look at these earnings and sales numbers, fund ownership, um, quality fund ownership. This, this stock has has a great story, great fundamentals. The price action just has to line up again with a nice tight area where I can manage risk.
0: Yeah, no, and, and this is another really good trade. You know, not not every A good trade doesn't necessarily have to be profitable, yeah. right? A, a good trade, really the way we define a good trade is, are you following your rules or not? Right. right? right. And you're following your rules, and and especially when it started to break the 50-day on, on uh, decent volume. It wasn't a huge volume, but sort of break it, and also even the day before, you picked up on a little bit of a character change. But once it broke the 50-day, that was a little bit more of a character change. I mean, even if someone held at that point, you couldn't really, when they were up on it, you couldn't necessarily really fault them for it. Then of course, a few days later, once it really started taking up the lows of that, then now it's more clear that, okay, Peloton just needs some rest
1: here. Yeah, it it looks like the left side of the base where a, a lot of the big growth stock leaders look like they're forming the left side of potential base. So we might need a little bit more time in the market here. And yeah, I was watching it to potentially buy it um, on these days, after I had sold my position, because it was holding that prior pivot level, but it just it just didn't want to uh, follow through. On, and on this day, this is a really pretty bad bar, you right at the lows.
0: Yeah, and and Peloton's been running for a while. And yeah, so absolutely. It uh, when they become obvious, you know, yeah, they're not going to work as work as well. And and right. that, that was probably probably close to a third stage base or stuff like that. I would have to look on the weekly, but uh, yeah, I it, think it's actually
1: a first stage base this. Uh well maybe maybe it uh, stage one consolidation it, I think it's just because it was so choppy and it almost added yeah a that base that one re- really is stage
0: one like if, if you're looking on a uh, I was looking at my charts over here but um yeah so there's your re- that's your real first stage kind of one first yeah. stage base and then honestly like halfway through you could say that, that there's some kind yeah. of flat flattish kind of base right there um it, it just probably barely missed the pattern recognition so so that's more like the third stage base and yeah. the problem with that base is. You, you talk about wide and loose before, like honestly, mm-hmm. cause I tried it off at that 10 week too. And I got that pop and I was like, I was kind of surprised <laughs> that it worked, right. but uh, I was like, okay, I'll take it. And then, and then I did sell out. I tried again off the 10 week line and, and then I had to sell out a loss there. But um, that kind of wide ish wide and loose that you referred to before mm-hmm. that, that was a little troubling to me. And that is also a more of a characteristic of a later stage base. Now, if it, if it takes some time off, even undercuts that previous base, yeah. now you're going to really shake out a lot of the, 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 weak holders. I mean, you're already shaking out weak holders left and right, but you're going to, you're really going to have a transfer from those remaining weak holders to the strong holders. And if Peloton truly is going to work, then it should start to act better. And, and maybe who knows, maybe another three, three months, six months, it could, could set up again and, and, and surprise people. So, That's Peloton. And uh, just very quickly, uh, Mm -hmm. go over some of that. So you've been doing your podcast now for how long?
1: Um, I I started um, last year, I think in in February, maybe. So maybe that was the first episode I did with um, Ben Bennett, Pattern Profits on Twitter. Um, That was awesome to have him on. Um, But yeah, it's been going for a while, but really... Um, has picked up earlier this year. I've had some really awesome guests. The, the U.S. Investing Champion of 2020, Oliver Kell, came on. That was a good He's one. awesome. Uh, Jim Jim Ropel, very recently, yep. he, he's, always, he's very easy to interview, as I'm sure you know, because he's yeah. got the energy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's been fun. And like I said, every single interview, I learn something new that I can apply to my trading. I learn, I pick up something from every guest uh, that, that has helped me. And, and I think it's, once again, really helped me speed up my learning curve.
0: And, and just a couple of lessons that you've learned over, over the year of doing the podcast. You know, what, what are some of the kind of the keys to doing a podcast or really doing anything?
1: Right, so in terms of doing the podcast, I think um, number one with any video is kind of value. Um, so you, you have to find um, good, good guests to interview and it's tough starting out. Um, if, if you're just, you don't really have a name yet, um, it, it's hard to find those people, but I found some great people willing to spend time with me. Ben was awesome. Patrick Walker on Twitter. He, he's a great can slim guy. Um, and you gradually want to, uh, keep, keep asking, um, better, and better traders who are a little, little, bit better known. And, um, yeah, keep up the momentum, keep interviewing people. And that's another thing. You want to be consistent because, um, this year I made a kind of goal for myself to interview one trader every single week and, and post it. And, um, that way people, the audience know to expect it. And, um, uh, and, uh, that really benefits cause they, they know there's going to be a podcast every week at some point, and they'll be able to watch it on the weekends, learn something new That's part of their kind of daily routine. And, uh, the last thing I think, um, well, well, the last thing I think is to, uh, stay in control of the questions and make sure okay. that you're, you're guiding your, your, um, your guest, uh. I know uh, you're, you're a great interviewer. You know how to, when people get off track, you can kind of lead them back in the direction. Jim Ruppel needs a little bit of that. He, he's admitted as much, but he's a he's great sport about it. But yeah, um, having great questions and guiding your guests so you get the most out of them, I think that's really important.
0: Perfect. Perfect. So being consistent is the true secret to learning for anything. anything. Yeah. You want to be consistent at maybe if you're doing a podcast, and you definitely want to be consistent at uh, learning something as complicated as the stock market. So coming up next, we'll talk about a few ideas. Stay tuned. Interactive Brokers charges 1.59% for a $100,000 margin loan.
1: Do you know how much your broker charges? Upwards from 6.82% at Fidelity or Schwab, to as high as 745 to 7.75% at E-Trade or Ameritrade. Move your account to Interactive Brokers and save at least $5,200, or much more if you're trading big bucks.
0: We are back with Richard Moglin on Investing with IBD, sponsored by Interactive Brokers. Okay, Richard. Let's get into a few ideas here, and the first one that we're going to start off with is Zoom Info, uh, ticker symbol ZI. And let me pull up the marketsmith charts here. So Zoom Info Mm Techs, and uh, I'll go to. Oh, you know what? Since you like starting off with the dailies, we'll start with the dailies. No, let's do (laughs) the weeklies. Let (laughs) me go weeklies. Okay, go for it. Okay, we'll we'll start off with the weeklies here. And what what do you like about these guys? And let me actually change the scaling.
1: Yeah, right. So I think to start things off, um, this is something I picked up from Kathy Donnelly um, from the lifecycle trade. Um, I'm looking for a stock within its kind of first primary base, the, the IPO due diligence phase. And it's starting to move up that right hand side towards that kind of um, high that set in its kind of IPO advance phase. So yeah. this is kind of the, the first kind of viable point here. We saw a lot of stocks work last year. Um, I mean, all the big winners, Peloton, we talked about CrowdStrike they started off from this type of setup. So that kind of drew my eye immediately. And you've got a first kind of base within base. I, I think there's a cup identified in, in Marketsmith. So that's that's kind of what drew my eye, as well as the really strong growth numbers um, over there on the left-hand side.
0: Yeah, no, I, I'm, this is one that's on my radar. I actually was in it a little bit earlier when I was, was forming this cup. It was so choppy right
1: there. It was
0: choppy, yeah. But it has an interesting story too, Um what, what they're doing, what they've essentially done is they've, they've found a way or they've really kind of gone through the web and, and through other sources and, and figured out a way to compile uh, org charts for companies. Hmm. So if you're a salesperson trying to, if, if you're trying to sell to, to a company like Apple or some other large company, you know, trying to get to the right person in marketing or sales and pitch whatever you have. Uh, it's very, very difficult trying to call them or send emails. You're not going to get anywhere. But but what Zoom Info Text is doing is they're collecting all that information. So And they're essentially identifying these are the kind of the key people, the key decision mm-hmm. makers, just using the org charts. And that there, there is something there with that. I, I thought that was a really, really interesting story when, when I read about it. And doesn't surprise me that it is slowly kind of sneaking up there. You have some good... Uh, institutional sponsorship there. Uh, Three of our IBD mutual fund index members are in there too. And so I'm with you, Richard. I I think this is is one to keep on the radar and we'll see. I mean, it is a little extended right now from this cup, Mm -hmm. but you also identified, yeah, there's a larger cup here and uh, you 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 mentioned uh, Kathy Donnelly's and Eve Bovick, and I think Eve's, Eve's coming in in a few weeks on the podcast, and Kathy's oh, nice. coming in a, in a couple nice. months again uh, about the institutional due diligence phase. Right. And yeah, I, I I've always liked that where it takes takes some time off, a year off or so, maybe longer, and then now if it gets into new highs, it's kind of past that institutional. Uh, due diligence, as they call it, all all these really smart analysts are, have gone through the company. They've kicked the tires, looked at the numbers, and they're like, okay, th- this is a legit company and this is a good investment, and and they're slowly moving into it, as opposed to when a stock comes out IPO, it might be just mm-hmm. a little too early for them to really do kind of that nitty-gritty type of analysis that they like to do.
1: Yeah, and, and maybe it pulls a zoom, but probably not, probably not to the <laughs> no, same extent. I, I
0: wouldn't expect it, but... Uh, you never know. You know, I, yeah. I didn't think Zoom was going to pull a Zoom. And I right. was around at, at this stage when Zoom was doing that. I was in Zoom at that point. Uh, and I did not, there, there was no way I thought, which is why I, I got shaken out of it during the pandemic. But um, uh, that's Zoom Info Text, uh, ticker symbol Z-I. And uh, let's go to the next one. This is uh, Pinterest, P-I-N-S. Mm-hmm. I have shares of this one. And Richard... What do you like about these guys?
1: Right. So I've traded this a few times. Uh, it was one of the really strong earnings gap ups of last year, mm-hmm. um, really chopped around there for a bit, but then really exploded up. Um, and I think what drew my eye recently is it, it did pull back to the 10 week there. And uh, there was some buy points in, in there. Um, I wasn't able to build up enough cushion before earnings to really hold through that. But recently this past week, I mean, a lot of charts look like this, this power hammer off the, off the 10 week. Uh, that yeah. catches my eye because of how strong the overall kind of um, social media group has been. Uh, Snapchat Snapchat looks um, pretty similar, which I think we'll talk about later. Um, Twitter also looks pretty strong. So it's an overall group that's holding up well. And you can see internet content is 25 out of 197. So it's one of the top stocks in the top groups. And you've got really strong estimates for 2021 and 2022 over there um, in terms of earnings. So, and, and look, the revisions are up too. So, analysts are boosting their numbers. There, there's price action supporting it. Um, that, that hammer off the huge reversal after the big drop um, shows that there's, there's kind of institutional demand picking up those uh, weak holder shares. And you've got great fund ownership increasing pretty much every single quarter and a whole bunch of those high quality funds. I love seeing at least one or two and ideally, yeah, five or six. Um, that really just shows you that uh, it's it's a company that's got something special going for it, and and the price action is matching those fundamentals.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you. And uh, it, it was uh, you mentioned Mike Webster, yeah, uh, before uh, when when Mike and I did a podcast. I think it was around here in March of last year, maybe a little bit earlier. I think we we did it in the studio. We we brought up Pinterest at that point, and so we bolted did research on it. And we looked at it. and We actually even. Uh, played with the site and it was like, wow, this is a really, really interesting yeah. site. I had never tried Pinterest before, but that's how it really kind of got on my radar. And and one thing that stuck out to me with Pinterest was the conversion rate where mm-hmm. it, when people are in the site, they're looking at the site and they're looking at some specific thing, some some crafting or whatever that they, they, they they're liking. If there's an ad there, They're in there. The buyer intent, the actual them clicking on it and actually going through and purchasing something is much, much higher than a number of the other social media sites out there. And it makes sense because they've become so niche and they're integrated too Yeah, exactly. And they're immersed in it. And they've done a you you speak about integration. They've done they did a partnership with Shopify recently. Um, And so that's going to make more kind of ads kind of be more seamless in there. Uh, so yeah, the, these guys are onto something that has gone on a big run. It hasn't really taken, took, as you mentioned, it did take some, a little bit of a break here, but, uh, and then it put the, what do you call it? The power hammer? Uh, something like that. Something. I, I like that. That, that might be a Richard I mean, how, Moglin, uh, Richard <laughs> Moglin, uh, a new pattern, the power hammer.
1: I mean, how else do you describe like a 10, 15% range off the bottom <laughs> right. a power hammer? Terrifying, it's be a... <laughs>
0: terrifying. Cause that's what I was yesterday when it gapped down 10 plus percent and then came back by the end of the day but so terrifying and terrified in the morning and then relieved by the end of the day um, yeah. but yes that, that is it still does worry me that it's with all that volatility could it come back down by the end of the week so, so um, I'm concerned about that but it kind of did another power hammer kind of thing right over here so maybe it is just in the kind of the character. And here's the realities: some of these stocks, especially when they're newer, they will do some crazy yeah. things like this, where they have this real volatile action the first couple of day, uh, first couple of days of the week. But by the end of the week, they'll bring it all the way back. Right. And and you've gotten shaken out on a Monday or Tuesday, and now they brought it all the way back. Yep. You're like, oh my God, you know, uh, I'm I'm not in the position. And then it takes off, you know. So right. Um, that that's where those rules come into place. And, you know, er, our earlier conversation where, where if you can follow those rules, right. And truly allow them to stop you out or really break those key support areas, you're going to find yourself in some big, big, big time winners,
1: uh, in the future when you, when you have nice trending markets. Exactly. And, and you mentioned, uh, a lot of these are a little bit extended. They've gone on nice runs. I would love to have a, a one, two month correction to set everything back up, build some bases, and then we can, uh, we can have a nice long uptrend to end the year. That, that would be the ideal situation. Who knows if we get it, but yeah, a lot of these need time to build another base, um, find support, and uh, tighten up on the right hand side. Um, that would be ideal.
0: You know, I, I always say that I would love to get some kind of correction now. And then when it comes, I'm like, I, I don't want that correction. <laughs> I, I, I don't.
1: <laughs> well, it's gonna drop always... so you can sell your shares to me. That's how it's gonna work. <laughs> I know, I know. I sell
0: my shares always to the smart money. So, and and most of my shares are probably going to you too. But uh, let's go to the next stock right here. Uh, this is DraftKings, mm-hmm. ticker symbol DKNG, and they might have a power hammer coming into play right here too in the the latest uh, in this last week. But the big thing for them is uh, they're reporting earnings in a couple of days. So, what do you like about DraftKings?
1: Yeah, so this is kind of in its own um, category with uh, there's pen Gaming as well. Skills is also acting well. So there's a couple yep. of them yep. um, within this space that are performing well as a group. And I think that's always important to find a group that's doing well and find the top stocks within that group. And you can see Leisure Gaming Equipment is 31 of 187. So yep. top 40, ideally would be top 10, but that's pretty good. This doesn't have earnings. It's not profitable yet, which is one drawback but what what really caught my eye here is the fund ownership and the quality fund ownership so for for a stock that isn't profitable it already has a lot of top funds in it um and and they have a much longer term picture than you or i um and they they think this stock has a pretty bright future so that's kind of what got me interested and then looking at the chart it's had a very strong prior on prior run obviously it could use a nice longer term rest just just to pull back to the 10 week doesn't quite cut it um but overall, um, this last cup, I think, also is pretty deep, about 45%, 50%. So that's a little yeah. bit t- too much here. But overall, it, it's acting well, especially during this craziness of this past week. And uh, as I said, it's acting well with a group of other stocks within that same industry group. So that's kind of what I like about it.
0: Yeah, and you know, now it's only 6.9% off the high. You bring yeah. up a good point with this deep cup right here. Sometimes it'll form a little bit more shallower type of pattern. Um, it, it, when they come out of these deep type of bases and they try to go, it's just too much, and yeah. so then it needs to settle down, go sideways for a little bit, form a nice sort cleaner base, and then it can uh, move out. So we'll see uh, if that works. Uh, one thing that kind of concerns me is the relative strength line mm-hmm. is not closer to new newer highs. Yes, yeah. so, but you know, so so we'll see. It, it's it's been a, a little bit of a lagger because so many things have been just been running, but uh now have you used draftkings uh in, in the the past like for fantasy football and things like
1: that or i'm not too much into fantasy i've got a bunch okay. of friends who are um who are into it and and that's another example of a stock you hear about on the radio and on yeah. twitter i get so yeah. many ads for draftkings draftkings yep. draftkings Super Bowl. Um, I think I just heard on the radio you can bet $1 and they'll give you $100 some some crazy offer like that. Um, I'm not endorsing that in any way, but I thought that was interesting. But yeah, you hear about this this company in stock all over and it seems like there's a lot of growth potential there.
0: Yeah, no, and and obviously the, the big thing is it's no longer the the fantasy part. They're they're going into to online gambling and uh, for for real sports and stuff like that and yeah. um, that's that that's where the whole country is going. You know, everyone's much more open to it. So let's go to one more stock here, and this is Corsair, and <laughs> and this is this is a company that I'm, I was in, and I actually still have some shares. But um, I was in pretty early on, just because I remember seeing all the really expensive equipment uh, at Best Buy, and I was like, who would be crazy enough to buy this? Uh, but you know what? There's a market for it, and I might not necessarily buy it, but if others are buying it, I want to buy the stock. Um, what do you like about uh, Corsair?
1: Well, first off, Arusha, you're not buying a $2,000 gaming PC to play uh, <laughs> Fortnite at 400 FPS? <laughs> well, I, I, well I'm if surprised. I'm going to buy
0: a PC like that, I'm going to buy it for Mark uh, for just trading, even though just, just and, and I actually do have a gaming PC and I don't necessarily game on it, but I, the reason why I bought it was because I could feel cool. I wanted yeah. to feel like I was, I was a gamer, but, uh, um, uh, but um yeah but, but but go ahead yeah yeah
1: um, I'm sure it's got this LEDs and all all that um, no it, built it into it, it I don't know if it does you know it might have it I just haven't turned to that. <laughs> anyway going back to the stock I mean um first things first um, it doesn't have the greatest estimates for annual EPS which I don't yeah. like it's actually supposed to be down in 2021 mm-hmm. but revisions are up and um I think in my view this is this is a increasing market um Computer hardware, gaming, I think is huge, especially with the pandemic. A lot of people, um, they were playing Among Us. All of my friends were playing Among Us, which obviously doesn't need a, a huge PC like this um, provides. But a lot of people are getting more into esports, gaming. And uh, this is the kind of go to place to buy a, a really strong computer on the internet. Um, and it's showing in the, in the earnings and sales recently. I mean, look at these numbers. Uh, 800% growth and this most recent quarter it is decreasing. I mean, it's still triple digit. It's almost 200% earnings growth. Sales growth is supporting that earnings growth. And it's not small numbers. It's it's, uh, half a billion dollars, it looks like the most recent quarter. So um, I love that trend. Revenue growth is increasing. And uh, hopefully that shows up in the earnings estimates and maybe the next uh, time they report, um, we get some uh, boosting guidance or something like that. Um, But going to uh, the chart, look it's very choppy on the weekly chart i mean and it's having a lot of trouble with 45 um i've noticed I, I i bought it and uh along the bottom of the base here but it couldn't break out of 45 this most recent time and now it's pulled back and and had another power hammer um yes. <laughs> this this week i love that arusha i'm, I'm gonna use that in my no, that that's that's yours that, that that's all you <laughs> yeah um so this, this once again, needs time, and it's kind of in its IPO advance phase still a little bit. It's kind of forming its first primary base here, um, but uh, yeah, I think it needs time, especially with the, with the way the market is going. Um, I won't be jumping in anytime soon. It has to really tighten up and form a good low-risk entry point before I would be interested, but it's definitely um, top of my list.
0: Yeah, th- this one over the last couple of months has whipped me around yeah. a, a lot, and, and I have... Taken too many unnecessary losses with it, so I have I have some shares of it, but uh, I'm I'm hoping it settles down and quiets down because yeah. it, it is impossible right now. Um, but and yeah, with the, with the power hammer, maybe the power hammer will will solve everything uh, and and help uh, Corsair get better. The, the things that kind of stuck out to me uh, on the story side, Corsair's been around for a while; they they've mm-hmm. been around for 20, 30 years they start out making like hardcore components and then moved into the other things, the other like kind of the, the, the rigs and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. uh, the, the one thing, and I, I know you, you've noticed this and, and yeah. maybe a number of your friends are, are doing this too. Uh, a, a lot of, a, a lot of uh, people like to broadcast themselves playing games. And that has obviously become a huge, huge thing. And and I've I've watched some of those videos, and it is kind of interesting to watch people play. They definitely play the games much better than I do. But uh, Corsair ser- uh, sells a number of like the camera equipment, Elgato brand, all, yeah. Oh, there you go. So yeah, yeah. So that's what kind of. So you you mentioned the esports, and and then mm-hmm. the broadcasting. They're they're essentially selling you a whole package right where here here's the computer here's the lighting here's all the other different kind of camera kind of things you need and so you can just kind of get everything from corsair and start broadcasting pretty quickly on youtube or twitch or, or wherever else um so so they are well positioned for that kind of esports trend and mm-hmm. in many ways they could be one of those picks and shovels plays and i, right. I kind of like those picks and shovels uh, type type of plays um, for larger trends. Um, so there you go. There there are there are four ideas uh, right there and uh, four ideas worth considering adding to your watch list. Uh, thanks, Richard, for joining us today.
1: Oh, my pleasure, Risha. I, I love the podcast. I, I watch as many episodes as I can, um, and it's really an honor to be invited. And and hopefully, people get something good out of this interview.
0: No, I think they they will. I mean, it, it is. Honestly, well, I do like your podcast a lot too, and you have a lot of great, great people on it. And um, you guys go into a lot of really good trading details too. So I highly encourage everyone to go and check out Richard's podcast on YouTube. Uh, and honestly, it, it is, it is pretty, it is very, very impressive how much you've learned in the, in the last few years. Thank you. Um, so, so well done, keep going and, and definitely, you know, come and visit us again. Oh, will do. Next week, we will have Joe Fami on the show. Joe's the Managing Director of Zor Capital, and he is a star on Twitter and Fintwit. That's it for this week on Investing with IBD. I'm Arusha Paris, and thanks for listening. And for this week's Nielsen Charts, make sure to go to investors.com podcast, where you'll find details for each episode in the podcast episode section. And make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast if you haven't already. We'd really appreciate it. You can also send us your questions and comments to investingpodcast at investors.com. We would love to hear from you and may use your comments on an upcoming episode.